Chapters eleven and twelve of Taken at the Flood by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven. Sir Aubrey is interested. The fancy fair had been a great success. Such a fund had been raised as justified Mr. Vancourt in bringing a Monkhampton architect to survey the existing schoolhouse with a view to furnishing plans and specifications for a better one on the same site the vicar and one of his daughters drove into the market-town on the afternoon of that day in which edmund stanton bade a reluctant farewell to headingham and all that it contained the vicar intent on business miss mary vancourt intent on the shop-windows which offered the wealth of the newest fashions to the feminine gaze oh look papa at those funny brown and yellow stripes she exclaimed as she walked the fat pony at a funeral pace past the showy windows of mr gansline the great monkhampton draper those are to be all the rage this year florence toynbee told me so and you know she has a cousin in paris they're ugly but rather stylish i think i shall have one mr vancourt gazed with indifferent eye upon the splendours of ganslines the last importation of cuffs and collars sets as they were called at ganslines from paris or spitalfields the ayrshire sewed work the more costly industry of madeira's convents the lustrous silks the dainty umbrellas he was riding his own hobby the gothic schoolhouse and had no sympathy with his daughter's aspirations which always took the direction of millinery drive a little faster my dear he said briskly i want to catch mr spilby before he leaves his office mr spilby was the architect who to the strictly professional and aesthetic pursuit of architecture conjoined the more perennially profitable business of an auctioneer and house-agent he had a little office abutting on the high street of monkhampton at a sharp corner over against a pump and where two smaller streets branched off from the main thoroughfare a situation in fact which was considered one of the best in monkhampton you can wait here for me my dear said mr vancourt as the pony drew up before mr spilby's plate-glass door a smart-looking office was mr spilby's beautified with framed and glazed views of villas and country seats for sale or hire houses whose architectural attractions were enhanced or set off by preternaturally vivid verdure and tropical sky you can wait mary while i speak a word or two to mr spilby i shan't be five minutes miss vancourt gave a little sigh knowing that under such circumstances the vicar's five minutes meant half an hour but she breathed no remonstrance and settled herself in the comfortable little pony carriage with her sun umbrella held so that it should shade her sufficiently and yet not prevent her seeing and being seen monkhampton at four o'clock in the afternoon was quite a lively place three or four carriages of the barouche or landau tribe might be seen in the high street between four and five while pony carriages and the lesser fry of vehicles were abundant as miss vancourt knew nearly every one who passed she was not without amusement now wafting a kiss from the tips of her gloved fingers to the occupants of a landau now nodding to a fair charioteer in a pony carriage now exchanging a few words with pedestrians who stopped to shake hands make a remark or two upon the weather and inquire with solicitude about the health of the vancourt family as if when last heard of they had been almost moribund miss vancourt stifled a little yawn after exchanging several such greetings a yawn which may have been caused by the heat of the afternoon or the dullness of her acquaintance i wish i could have stopped opposite ganslines she thought i could have had a good look at the new fashions i might have bought a pair of gloves to keep me in countenance 
she looked at her watch and discovered that the vicar's five minutes had extended to twenty he'll stop with mr spilby an hour she thought pressing about that old school by which she meant the new school i really wish we hadn't helped papa with the fancy fair we shall never hear the last of that tiresome schoolhouse and i'm sure the present building does well enough it keeps out wind and weather and if the children are a little crowded it's no more than they're accustomed to in their homes what's the use of disturbing the poor little creatures ideas of life with fine architecture when they must go home to their hovels after all miss vancourt gave a second yawn which she hardly took the trouble to conceal she was surprised in the midst of it by the appearance of a gentleman upon a well-groomed chestnut horse who drew rein on the off side of the little pony carriage i thought i couldn't be mistaken said this gentleman it is miss vancourt the yawn was strangled untimely and miss vancourt became all smiles and brightness how do you do sir aubrey she said shaking hands with the lord of the soil papa is in the office talking to mr spelby about the new schoolhouse indeed do you know i am very much interested in that new schoolhouse that little arcadian festivity yesterday afternoon was charming i was never more gratified really exclaimed miss vancourt brightening it is so nice to be praised by a person of importance it was a very humble attempt of course but for a charity bazaar it certainly went off amazingly well the bazaar exclaimed sir aubrey i wasn't thinking of the bazaar just then though it was very nice and did you young ladies vast credit all those pretty things worked by your own fair hands delightful i am sure but what i spoke of just now was the children's tea-drinking such a pretty rustic scene in that nice old orchard the happy children uh, uh, uh um, that uh, pretty girl who helped to give them their tea altogether a very sweet scene the baronet's languid tone stumbled curiously towards the end of this speech i suppose you mean mr carew's daughter said miss vancourt contemptuously rather a bold young person my sister and i used to be kind to her as long as we could afford to do so but lately there have been some unpleasant reports unpleasant reports echoed sir aubrey what kind of reports i had rather not discuss the subject if you please sir aubrey replied miss vancourt drawing her lips together primly i am sorry that village slander should touch so innocent a creature said the baronet for it needs no profound knowledge of the human countenance to see purity in that fair young face miss vancourt sighed gently but made no reply it was hardly worth disputing about sylvia's character with this senile baronet who evidently admired her pretty face nor could miss vancourt have said very much against the young woman had she been forced to speak plainly she had only been informed by someone who had been informed by someone else that sylvia carew had been seen walking with mr standen in the shades of evening and this sir aubrey perriam might have considered insufficient evidence for the condemnation of a village beauty mr vancourt emerged from mr spilby's office and saved the necessity of further argument how do you do sir aubrey nice weather for the crops i am happy to tell you that our little festival which you were good enough to honour with your presence was a positive triumph the bazaar has produced us close upon eighty pounds this with previous collections brings us up to three hundred so in about two years more if things go well we may count upon something very near a thousand 
and by that time may certainly begin our work the old place will hold together very well for a couple of years longer it would last half a century i'm sure papa said miss vancourt disdainfully i can't think why you are so anxious to build new schools i dare say it will end in a debt which you will be obliged to pay let us hope that mr vancourt's parishioners will be too generous to permit such an injustice said sir aubrey with an air that implied his own willingness to come to the rescue yet the voice of rumour in headingham and swanford and neighbouring parishes affirmed that sir aubrey parium was close and that if there was one thing in this world he most cordially hated that one thing was to dissever himself from any portion of his wealth indeed there were some slanderers so base as to declare that despite his elegant bearing and perfect dress and carefully appointed household sir aubrey was something of a miser he did not put money away in iron-bound chests or bury it in the earth but he invested it from time to time with studious care and people found it very difficult to beguile him into the expenditure of it it's rather premature perhaps said the vicar with only three hundred in hand but i've asked spilby to come over this evening and look at the old place and give his opinion about the kind of building adapted to the site gothic of course it must be sir aubrey was wonderfully interested what spilby coming to look at your schoolhouse this evening said he i should like to hear what he says clever fellow spilby sir aubrey always praised people it cost him nothing and made things generally agreeable if you will do us the honour of dining at the vicarage sir aubrey said mr vancourt heartily but stopped abruptly frozen by a frown from his daughter a frown which meant that the vicarage dinner was not good enough to be taken unawares by so great a man as sir aubrey but men are so rash the idea of papa asking sir aubrey to go home with us when we've nothing but soup and the cold for a quarter of lamb thought miss vancourt indignantly perhaps sir aubrey guessed the reason of that unfinished sentence for he made haste to refuse the vicar's invitation you're too good he said but my brother would wait dinner for me i must ride back to the place but i'll come to headingham directly after dinner what time do you expect spilby about half-past seven keep him till half-past eight i'll be with you by that time good-bye miss vancourt au revoir vicar and the baronet touched his chestnut shoulder with his whip and rode off at a sharp trot Twelve his interest deepens the sun had left only a low line of crimson behind the cypress and yews in the churchyard when sir aubrey parium opened the rustic gate of the schoolhouse garden he had left his horse at the inn where the landlord and his underlings were not a little surprised to see the lord of the manor at so late an hour there was something cheering in his appearance it seemed as if he meant to take notice of headingham it's like old times to see you among us again sir aubrey said the man vaguely for those times were old indeed older than this mortal life in which sir aubrey had been wont to honour headingham with frequent visits i've come to meet the architect who is to draw the designs for the new schoolhouse barford said the baronet graciously deary me yes our vicar's such an active gentleman all is up to something replied mr barford who would have preferred a more sleepy vicar and less frequent calls upon his own purse those improvements of mr vancourt's imposed a tax upon headingham yet it was something to live in a village that stood foremost in the march of civilization 
mr vancourt had even talked about restoring the church doing away with the gallery in which generations of headingham folks had listened in slumbrous repose to drowsy afternoon sermons and beautifying chancel and aisles in some wonderful manner but headingham people strenuously opposed any such new-fangled notions they liked the church as their forefathers had sat in it they said sentimentally and they liked their money in their pockets but this they did not say the architect and mr vancourt had been pacing and measuring and planning for the last half-hour sir aubrey heard their voices as he opened the little gate and went into the schoolmaster's garden but he was in no hurry to join them he strolled slowly along the narrow path admiring that homely mixture of flowers and vegetables the entanglement of pinks and pansies protected by a border of thick box that had been growing for the last forty years the tall hollyhocks that screened the cabbages and beans the spreading rose-bushes to a man who lived half the year in paris this village garden had charms after all there is no place like england he said to himself and there are no women so pretty as english women where on the continent could one match the pink and white of that girl's complexion he found mr vancourt and the architect pacing the little grass plat before mr carew's parlour sylvia sat just within the open door watching them while she worked making as fair a picture in the twilight as a painter need care to see her father lounged against the doorpost smoking his evening pipe sir aubrey gave a nod to the vicar and mr spilby and went straight to the door where he wished miss carew good evening with bare head the girl gave a little start at first seeing him and the fair face crimsoned what could have brought him here to-night to-night of all nights when poor edmund was on his dismal way to southampton sir aubrey saw the blush and was gratified there were ladies of his acquaintance who affected to consider him an old man it was pleasant to find that he could flutter the pulse of this lovely young creature i hope you are not very much fatigued after your exertions yesterday he said courteously the schoolmaster had laid aside his pipe and was bringing out a chair i am not at all tired thank you sir aubrey replied the girl smiling at his question in the serene security of youth and health i really don't know what it is to be tired i suppose that comes from never riding in carriages i would lock up my stables and dismiss my grooms to-morrow if i could secure the same immunity said sir aubrey with a gentle sigh sinking into the chair which james carew had placed for him he acknowledged the schoolmaster's courtesy with a stately inclination of his head this gentleman is your father i presume he said to sylvia inquiringly yes sir aubrey charmed to know you mr carew murmured the baronet condescendingly i didn't see you in the orchard yesterday no sir aubrey the children's feast day is my one day of perfect rest and as i am not particularly strong i leave younger and gayer folks to make the little ones merry my presence would set them gabbling the multiplication table i fancy from mere force of habit very likely said sir aubrey laughing with that easy mechanical laugh acquired in polite society very good mr carew and is this young lady your youngest daughter she is my only daughter sir aubrey my only child indeed you must be very fond of her james carew looked at his daughter with a puzzled expression feeling that he was called upon to say something tender to let loose some gush of emotion such as might be expected to flow from the lips of an only child's father 
but those two had not cultivated the language of the affections and mr carew had no such words at his command we get on very well together he said trying his hardest to be tender but i'm afraid the life is rather a dull one for sylvia you speak with a refinement of accent which i should hardly have expected in in a headingham schoolmaster said mr carew i don't know about that i dare say i'm very much behind the new order of national schoolmasters who are expected to be wonders of erudition but i came to headingham in the good old times when all people expected of a village schoolmaster was the ability to spell decently and write a fair hand mr carew might have added that in this happier era certificates of character were not so sternly scrutinized as they are nowadays have you been so long at headingham inquired sir aubrey fifteen years you surprise me with your education i should have supposed you would have long ago sought and obtained a much better position sylvia gave an impatient sigh this was the very thought she had so often uttered papa doesn't know the meaning of ambition she said no i have no ambition man wants but little here below nor wants that little long why disturb the brief span in which he may enjoy his little by fruitless endeavours to make it great the gods want nothing said the greek and the man who wants least comes nearest to the gods i have schooled my desires better than i have taught the village children and like goldsmith's model pastor feel myself passing rich with forty pounds a year mr carew might have added that unlike the ideal pastor he spent the forty pounds strictly upon himself and thus stretched the money to its utmost limit i admire your philosophical spirit sir said the baronet approvingly if there were more men of your temper there would be fewer revolutions yet for your daughter's sake i can but think it a pity you should have been contented with a position so far below your merits sylvia gave another sigh oh papa never thinks of me she said so long as he has a servant to whom he need pay no wages he is quite satisfied now this was not an amiable speech and from lips less lovely might have seemed wanting in filial respect but sir aubrey looked at the lips and did not weigh the words that had escaped through that rosy gate he was thinking how lovely how intelligent the girl was and what a hard thing it seemed that she should be buried alive in such a place as this pretty and rustic indeed to contemplate as a picture in the summer twilight but no fitting home for a beautiful young woman he rose hastily went across the grass to the vicar and mr spilby who were leaning against the palings talking prodigiously spilby with a pencil and notebook in his hand there was too dangerous a witchcraft about that fair young face witchcraft that might lure a man to his ruin in my position a man cannot afford to be foolish thought the baronet parium place and all its appurtenances hung round his neck as it were a millstone which he could not shake off if i were a youngster i might make a fool of myself and marry that girl he thought yet in a young man with his life before him such an act would have been more desperate than in a man of sir aubrey's age with whom the best part of life was over and who might surely choose what comforter he liked for his declining years never perhaps was a man more free to please himself than sir aubrey near relations he had none 
save his brother the harmless eccentric mr perriam who was considered hardly quite right in his mind there was really nothing to prevent his pleasing himself except his own prejudices but these were strong he had a magnificent idea of his own importance and the grandeur of his place in the world he had never done anything in competition with his fellow-men and therefore he had never failed nothing had ever happened to weaken his faith in himself as a young man he had been affianced to the daughter of a duke the duke was poor but of loftiest lineage the girl lady guinevere had died a month before the day appointed for the marriage and the blow had fallen heavily on aubrey perriam the portrait of his betrothed still hung in his study at perriam and he rarely looked at it without a regretful sigh this disappointment or rather the memory of his disappointment for it had long ceased to be more than a sorrowful memory had kept sir aubrey single all these years with the recollection that his guinevere was the sweetest of women there mingled always the thought that she was also the daughter of one of england's oldest dukes he met with innumerable pretty women and agreeable women who would have been glad to become lady perriam but there was not one worthy to occupy the place that guinevere was to have filled they might have brightened his hearth with all the tender joys of home but they could not have given his children a ducal grandfather sir aubrey took that fact to heart and remained single yet in every pathway there lurks a snare sir aubrey's tastes were artistic he had his ideal his dream of perfect beauty which he never thought to see realized save on the canvas of his favourite titian and lo he had found this dream picture this impossible flower of human life which poets have sung and painters have painted through all the ages he had found his ideal here in the village of headingham on his own property but a few miles from the house in which he dwelt he listened politely to all mr spilby's ideas about the new schoolhouse mr spilby was of opinion that the present building was worn out used up that it would hardly hold together for a month longer weather tight it has not been for the last ten years said mr spilby with profound contempt and how those blessed old cob walls have contrived to hold together at all passes my understanding i'm afraid they must hold together a year or two longer spilby said the vicar but you may give us your specification as soon as you like we shall know where we are when we've got that sir aubrey pretended the deepest interest and when mr spilby departed to pick up his gig at the inn and drive back to monkhampton the baronet still lingered and this time did not refuse the vicar's offer of a bottle of claret the vicarage was on the other side of the churchyard they had but to pass beneath the gloom of the cypress that had shaded edmund and sylvia's farewell cross a more open part of the burial ground and the windows of the vicar's substantial dwelling were before them a low wall only divided the vicarage garden from the place of tombs clumps of dahlias and rose-covered arches rose gaily beyond the grassy mounds and above the moss-grown headstones the lighted windows of mr vancourt's drawing-room shone out cheerily croquet hoops scattered balls and mallets still adorned the lawn rather a singular man that schoolmaster of yours said the baronet as they sauntered through the churchyard a man who has seen better days i should think do you know anything of his antecedents not a tittle he came here before my time you know i wonder how he got the situation he doesn't talk like a west country man no i don't think he belongs to this part of the country 
yet carew is a west country name it is and a good one i've tried more than once to make out what carews he belongs to but he's uncommonly close there's no getting at the bottom of his mind he's not an agreeable man by any means but he's a very good schoolmaster what stipend does he get forty pounds a year coals candles and the schoolhouse poor fellow and he speaks like a gentleman the daughter is interesting too do you know much about her i've seen her change from bud to blossom she was a slip of a child of twelve or so when i first came here she looks amiable a goodish kind of girl i should think as good as the generality of girls i dare say says the vicar in a tone that was not complimentary to the species my daughters tell me she's vain but as i don't find that they themselves are entirely free from that feminine weakness i don't attach much weight to the accusation so pretty a girl as sylvia can hardly help knowing she is pretty no word of village scandal nor of blemish in the girl's fair fame sir aubrey was glad of that but he pushed the question still further your daughter said something this afternoon about certain reports which had prevented her being quite so kind to miss carew lately as she had been in the past he said do you know the nature of those reports reports cried the vicar almost in a passion Headingham is full of reports the very air engenders reports if you go out of your house after dark a report if you take an unaccustomed walk before breakfast a report if a stranger dines with you the fact is reported you can hardly eat your dinner in the solitude of your own home without being talked about you eat poultry when other people eat meat you are going to the dogs you dine on a cold sirloin and a salad you are a miser i have no patience with village scandal-mongers and my detestation of their gossip is so well known that very few of their inventions ever travel my way as for sylvia carew i have known her from a child and i have never had any reason to think ill of her sir aubrey was glad it was not to be supposed that what men said or thought about this village beauty could be of any consequence to him yet in his heart of hearts he was glad End of chapters eleven and twelve